0: All right, if you have your Bibles, please go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 35, if you have your Bibles. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, we have the scriptures on the screen. And so Matthew chapter 9, if you have your Bible, go there, starting in verse 35, and we're going to uh, read this. Actually, I'm going to read this uh, for you, and it says this. It says, Jesus, He says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages uh, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, he says this, to the disciples, he's looking at the crowds and he says this, the harvest is, is plentiful, but the workers... Are few. There's a lot of work to do, but there's not many of us. So there's a big job, and there's not a lot of us that are available to be able to be able to do this. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, today in this um, in this message. So, question: Before we get started, New Year's resolutions. Anybody? Anybody over there? How many? It's kind of like out of style now to do, like people don't tend to do them anymore. Maybe they're just disappointed because like I know by the time January rolls around, it's going to be like I just dropped the diet, I'm not going to the gym anymore, you know. So like why even try? Um, but I think the news, New Year's resolutions are a good thing. I try to do one uh, every year. Um, this may sound strange to you, but, but here's last year I said I'm going to learn how to surf. This year I'm going to publish a book, okay? You may say, well, that's crazy. I'm going to do it. It's going to happen, so just be ready for it. I'm not saying it's going to be a good book. I'm saying I'm going to write one, okay? And so, uh, so anyway, what, the reason why I talk about this is as we look into, uh, into the future is, is what is it that you're looking forward to? What is it that you're looking into the future and you're looking forward to in, in your life? So my wife and I, we talk about this uh, quite a bit. You know, um, we think about our kids growing up and them getting married and going off and doing their own Thing. We talk about growing old together. We talk about retiring at 65 and moving to a cheaper state. You know, things that you think about that are going to happen in, in the future. And I think it's great to have that thought process because when you have something that you're looking forward to, it keeps you going in life. I think that's part of the genius of Amazon, right? You order something and it's like, oh, it's coming, you know, so there's something inside and you walk into your house or you go to the door and you see that box there and it's like, man, this is a good day. Have it, has it ever happened to you that you get to that box and you're like, I don't even know what I ordered. And then you're like, oh, that's right, that's the thing that I ordered. Happens all the time, but there's something about looking forward to something that keeps you, keeps, keeps you going. The problem is that there are people in this world, maybe this is you today, and you're thinking about your own life and you're thinking about the, the future. Maybe, maybe when you think about the future, you're not, you're not feeling very very hopeful Maybe you're feeling a little bit hopeless. Maybe you're looking into the future and you're like, I don't know if this is something that I'm really excited about. I heard somebody say once, you know, we talk about the pursuit of happiness. It's a big theme, like, oh, the pursuit of happiness is this, you know, it's a big thing. But I heard someone say it's, that it's not, it's not the pursuit of happiness, but it's the, it's the happiness of the pursuit. In other words, we find probably more joy in the process of working toward something larger than ourselves than in the fact or the moment when we actually achieve the thing that we were going for. It's the process. It's the happiness of the pursuit. It's looking, it's looking forward to, to something, and people will call that the, the journey, right? The journey is the, is the thing that really brings us, brings us joy. Now, the good thing is that as Christians, even if we're looking into the future and we don't feel very hopeless, we always have the hope of Jesus. We always have the hope of eternity. We always have the hope of salvation. That's why you'll see Christians and you're like, man, they're going through a really, really tough time. Like, where do they find Hope, and that's why when you see a Christian, he's like, I, f- I still feel hopeless, like I, I don't have any happiness right now. I have this joy on the inside, and the joy is not because of the circumstances that I'm going through, the joy is because I have Christ in my life, and I know that even if everything goes bad, at the end of the day, I know that I have salvation, and I know that God is never going to leave me, and I'm going to be with Him for eternity. That's the genius of Christianity, of following our risen, our risen Savior. But the idea of hopelessness is, is, is true even within the church. You know, it, it's true individually, but it can also be true collectively as a church, as Big C Church. You know, the church right now in general um, is not going through a very good time. Like churches all across America are declining. We have thousands of churches all across America that are closing their doors every single year. It's not a good moment for for Christianity. It's not a great moment for, for churches right now. It's a hard thing. And, and as we look into the future and we think about Downey First Christian Church and we, and we look into the future and, and I personally feel incredibly hopeful and excited about the future of Downey First Christian Church. I really do. But that's not the reality of a lot of churches out there. A lot of churches out there just trying to hang on. They're barely making it or they're closing their doors and, or they have just struggles inside and their, people are mad and people are leaving. So, so I want to bring that up today. The only reason why I bring that up is because we should feel very grateful to the Lord because of what he's doing in our church. The fact that we see new people every single Sunday, we should be grateful to the Lord we should be grateful because, because we're seeing a lot of baptisms in this church. We should be grateful to the Lord because of what he's doing in this church. See, being a church that has hope for the future is a very unique thing right now. So I want us to think about that here a little bit. You see, what makes our church different? What makes DFCC, Downey First Christian Church, different? You know, why have we been around for so long? I mean, it's insane when you think about it. Our church is 154 years old. That's amazing. You know, we're probably the oldest church in our denomination, arguably, probably in the, in, in the, entire, uh, in the entire state. Our church in this denomination, probably one of the oldest ones, if not the oldest one. Our church was founded, wrap your mind around this. It was founded four years after the Lincoln assassination, We've been around for a while. We've been here for a long time, and I know that sometimes we're impressed by mega churches. Some some of you guys, not all of us, maybe some of you guys are annoyed by mega churches. But but some you're like, wow, this church is so large. We got thousands of people in this church. But honestly, I don't know what's more impressive: a church of thousands that's been around for a decade, or a church of hundreds like us that's been around for one and a half centuries. I don't know. Like when we think about that, I don't know what comes into your mind or how you process this in your heart. You see, because there are several reasons why this church, our church, this little church on the corner of 4th and New, could have not made it through, t- through time. Many reasons. In fact, would you hand me that plaque right there? Some of you guys have seen this plaque, it's, um, it's out in the lobby over here. This is my wife, by the way, isn't she pretty? Okay. <laughs> So so this plaque, this plaque represents all the pastors that have pastored this church since 1869. There's a lot of us that have been through here. And there's been a lot of reasons why these pastors could have easily just said, you know what, I'm so tired, this is way too much, I think we need to shut the doors. There's a lot of reasons. Let me just name a few. Two world wars, the Great Depression, smallpox, Vietnam, the Cold War, 9-11, 9-11, Pearl Harbor, JFK assassination, global pandemic. Remember that one? So many reasons. But, but the thing is that, that they all had reasons to lose hope and become just one other statistic. In fact, I want to I tell you how, how it felt just during the pandemic. The, the, the worship team and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. Like the pandemic was tough, you know, because I had just come on as the lead pastor here at the church in 2019, and all of a sudden, this pandemic hits. Hey, I was excited. I had all these plans for the church. We were averaging about 180 people back then, and then all of a sudden, the pandemic hits, and our numbers obviously go way down, and I remember these moments when we were outside, And we were doing service outside and I'm looking around and I'm like, where is everybody? Like this church just like, here's my thought process. And I promise you, this is all just my flesh speaking. Here's what I mean. It's like in my mind, I'm like, they hired this new pastor. This church has been around for 150 years and this church is going to go under, under my watch. That scared me. It was horrifying to me. And so, but there was something that kept us going. We're like, we're just going to keep going. We're going to keep plugging away. We're going to do church outside. We're going to we're gonna live stream it. Even though we don't know how to do it, we're going to use the radio waves. Remember that? You guys can listen from your car, you know, as you were parked alongside. Like we've, we've somehow with our team, we figured it out. We did. We kept going. We just kept that going. You see, there's something about this church. There's something about the, the spirit of this church that it's like we're just going to keep going through the years. In fact, next Sunday we turn 155 years old. And next Sunday we're going to have we're going to have a we're going to have a cake. And we're going to sing happy birthday to the church. You know, I mean it's a little dorky, right? But I say, I think that it's worth celebrating. You know, that we have been around for such such a long time. And see, this is not about me. It's not about the staff. It's not about the elders. This is about the work that God has decided to do in this church for so long. That's worth celebrating. And so, so the reason why I bring all this up is because I want us to, to, to hopefully touch this morning, be able to touch, to make contact with, with what it is that God is doing in this church, um, what is it, what is it that, that has made this church stand the test of time? And it's, and it's a vision. It's a vision. That's why I'm calling the message of today, I'm calling it Vision Sunday. Um, because I want us to, to know why we're here, you know. Have you ever walked into a room? Like you walk into the kitchen and you're like, I don't know why I'm here. Like you walk in and you're like, I know there's a reason why I showed up here, but I don't remember what it is, you know, and then it comes back to you. I think the same thing can happen to us in church as well. Like we come here every Sunday and we're like, yeah, we come here every Sunday. We sing the songs, we hear the message, you know, we give our tithe, our offering, we interact, we pray, we do all these things. But like, why do we do this again? Like, why are we here? And so I want us to talk a little bit about that. Now, when we talk about vision, there's a lot of talk about what vision is, like companies have vision, you know, there's a vision for, for your life, and all these things are good because they give you a sense of direction, they give you a sense of purpose, and they give you a way to measure your progress. In fact, in my office, I have this little, this little piece of wood, and it says on it, it says, the best is yet to come. And I, I'm just, I'm a hopeless Uh, I'm a positive person. Like, I'm always positive. Like, I'll wake up in the morning. Like, I don't know, man. I just feel like this day is going to be amazing. You know? I have no proof for that. I don't know that it's going to be amazing. But I would rather be positive and wrong than negative and right. How about you? So... Hopefully, this this can be a mindset that we can have as a church as well. You see, Hebrews 11.1 says this. It talks about faith, and it's this whole idea of looking into the future and saying, now faith is this. It's confidence in what we hope for. So you're confident in something that's not here. It's a hope, right? And assurance of what we do not see. So I have confidence, and I have assurance that the best days of this church are yet to come. I really believe this. And so I believe this with all my heart. And the vision of our church, if you didn't know this, if you want to write this down and remember it, the vision of our church is this. It's very simple and it's very straightforward. The vision is to reach the city of Downey with the hope of Jesus. People in our, in our city, they walk around carrying the weight of the, of the hopelessness of life on their shoulders. People need hope. They don't know where it is. We know where it is. It's the hope of Jesus. This is why we are here. I see a church where our spaces are maxed out. I don't know if you've noticed, but we've been adding chairs. We have 300 chairs in here now. Um, Baptisms every Sunday, marriages being restored, salvation, healings. Like Our city being reached with the hope of Jesus. And the reason why we're still here is because the leadership that came before us also understood this. If this, if the mindset of the leaders that came before us would have been just to maintain this church and not reach out to the city, we wouldn't have made it. That's impossible because if you're inwardly focused and you're only focused on on yourself, it's virtually impossible to grow. And so what I want to do this morning in the few minutes that I have left here is I want to give you hopefully a vision for the future. Not just for the future of this church, but for your personal future and how it intertwines with what we're doing here. I want to set it up like this. Um, a few years back, I was just reading to the Old Testament, and I feel I felt like God stopped me in the in the book of, of Jonah. And I remember last year I preached a whole series on Jonah. And the story of Jonah is pretty, is pretty straightforward. I mean, it's this guy who God calls to preach to Nineveh. And he's like, hey, I'm not doing that. I'm going this other way. And he ends up being in the belly of a fish. And God says, you're going anyway. You're going to do what I call you to do. And the Ninevites were the enemies. And they were completely different and, and opposed to what he was standing for. He went there and he ended up getting mad at God because he saved the people that he didn't like. So he was mad at God because he saved those people that he thought that they didn't deserve to be saved. And so when I think about our church, I think about, about us here. And it's comfortable in here. we got the heater here. we got the comfortable chairs. Like, it's, it's nice here. we got our growth groups. We have, you know, the people that we know. It's a, it's a welcoming environment. And this can get very comfortable. It can get very, very comfortable. But there's outside. Brothers and sisters, outside, there are people who are different than we are. Who vote differently, who feel differently about global warming, who are of a different race, who have a different view on gun control, who have a different culture, who have a sexual orientation that's different, who have different lifestyles, upbringing, other views on abortion. My question to you is are they welcome here? Are people who are different than you welcome into this church? You see, just like Jonah. Our tendency is like, ah, oh, walk the other way. That's, that's our tendency. And I, and, I, and I get it. I get it. But this is not what our church is called to be. We can get way too comfortable in the church building, but that's not why we're here. We are here to embrace those who are not like us, like Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. You see, Christ in the church, this space that we're in, is meant to be a place where we set our differences aside. Here's the thing. Communion. The bread and the wine, the blood of Jesus, his body that was shed, right? That was, that was broken for the forgiveness of our sins. We know this. So there's this table, right? My question to you is, who's welcome at the table? Who can, who can be part of this table? You know, I think that we're good at being a church of wide open doors, but, but there's a difference between accepting and embracing. It's different. You see, accepting is saying, oh, you want to come in? Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, you can, you can sit down. That's accepting. And that's great, by the way. I think that we are very good at that. And there are many churches that aren't good at accepting. Like, they're like, that person's different. I don't think they should be here. Okay? Thank you for being that church that will accept people who will come in. But, and I love that. I love that about our church. But I think we're called to take it a step further. Not just accepting, but also embracing. What's the difference? Accepting is saying, just come in. Yeah, if you want to be here, fine. There's a seat for you right there. Okay? Embracing is different. Embracing is seeing someone who's walking away, who thinks that there's no place for them, and you're walking over to that person. You're saying, hey, come here. Here's the thing. Come here. Maybe you didn't know this, but there's room for you at the table too. There's also room for you at the table. Okay? This is, this is what we have to be as a church. And I know that it makes, it can make you uncomfortable because it's taking it one step further. Welcoming people. Hey, glad you're here. Welcome. You know, hey, here's a coffee. Here's a book. Like, great. Hope you come back. That's one thing. That's great. But we're called to take it a step further. You see, we need to keep doing what we're doing. But Jesus wouldn't just accept people. Think about Zacchaeus, the woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well, sinners in general. There's room at the table. There's room at the table. He didn't just accept them. He embraced them. You see, I've had so many interactions with people that have, man, it's just been, I mean, I mean our staff knows. I talk to Shay sometimes and Tony, and sometimes they'll be, you know, working together, and I'll walk in, and I'm like, man, whew, I just need a breath. I had this meeting just now. I had this phone call and I'm like, man, I just need, it is so insane the amount of conversations that I have with people who have incredible pasts and incredible present, things that they're going through that are unimaginable. I don't know how they make it through, it's topics of addiction, just all kinds of sins and all kinds of things and I, I'll hear these conversations and I'll have this interaction and, I, and I'm, I'm like, wow, that's amazing, but there's something about me that, that makes me giddy about that. I'm like, there's something like, I'm like, and I was wondering what that was because I'll have this incredible conversation with someone and I'm like, man, in my mind I'm thinking this. I don't know how they felt like they could just talk to me about that. And the reason why I get happy or I get giddy is because like, it makes me so happy that someone who would probably assume that a pastor or a church would reject them, somehow they feel that they can come here And they can just spill their heart out, not thinking that they're going to be rejected or they're going to be judged. That's the type of church God is calling us to be. This is who Jesus was. You see, people would assume Jesus would judge them only to realize that he would embrace them with love and acceptance. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, because that, that, I know there's some, some questions like, hey, what's this thing about, you know, life change and all that kind of stuff? Are we just going to accept people and they're just going to keep living their lives however they want, but just come into church and everything's fine? No, that's not what I'm saying. So here's what I want to read to you. This is Ephesians 2.10. It says this, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, why am I reading that scripture? The reason I'm reading that scripture is because we were created, all of us, everyone, in church, outside of church, in the city, we were created. God created us to do good works. And the problem is that when we, when we walk outside of the good works and we, we become greedy and we, and we begin to hate people, and we begin to use our bodies for the purpose for which they weren't created, and you begin to, to lust, and you begin to have a, a sexual impurity, or you begin to you know, spend way too much money, or, or take drugs, make all these mistakes, you begin to reap the consequences of your sin. And you're feeling terrible, because you know, like God didn't create you to live that way, and you feel terrible. You feel terrible already. And when you feel terrible already because you are, you are reaping the consequences of, of the dumb decisions that you've made, the last thing you want to do is go into a space where they're going to pile on the guilt on top of everything that you're going through. You see, the most powerful thing you can do with someone who is reaping the consequences of their dumb decisions is say, man, come here. Let's just, let's pray together. This is hard. Come to church. Let's, let's grow together. You see, that's the type of church that we're called to be. Hebrews 4.16 says this, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. I heard this pastor say this, and I absolutely love this. It says, religion says, I messed up, my dad is going to kill me. Religion. So religion says, I messed up, my dad's gonna kill me. Christianity says, I messed up, I need my dad. You see, there are so many people that are assuming that when they come into this space, they're gonna be judged and they're going to, we're gonna lay on the guilt. Like there's, we're not, that's not who we are, but people will assume that when they come into church. You see, We are a church of wide open doors because God is a God of wide open arms. Think of the prodigal son. Let me tell you what I see for 2024. Our vision is to reach the city of Downing with the hope of Jesus. I see a church of wide open doors where everyone is not just accepted but embraced. Where there's room for you at the table. There's, There's room for you. There's room for you here at the table. First, I may say, but I messed up royally. You came to the right place. You see, thinking that you need to clean yourself up in order to come to church is like saying, I need to heal before I go to the doctor. See, that's what we're called to be. That's the type of church that we're called to be. And I'm going I'm to end with this. Um, I was using this example the other day, and I hope, I, I hope it works here because this, this, t- to be able to achieve this vision, it's not me just talking on stage and saying, hey, this is what we're doing. It really takes all of us saying, this is my vision now. This is my calling. I heard a pastor once say, it's like a football team. You know, the church is like a football team, and there's this huddle, right? So there's a huddle, and then you're talking about all the moves. Right? You're ready to go. You're all pumped up. Let's go. Right? What would happen if you're in the huddle and you're like, break. And then everybody goes and sits at the bench. Like, That's kind of weird. And they're kind of talking to each other like, man, I can't wait to the next huddle. You know? <laughs> then you come back to the huddle and then everyone's, you know, talking about the moves. And this is what we're going to do. And it's like, break. Then everybody goes to the bench. They're like, wait a minute, what's going on? And that's funny. Like, we're going to say, like, that's ridiculous. Like, you didn't even understand what the huddle was all about right? But isn't church like that sometimes too? You know, we come to church every Sunday and we're like, man, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're going to make these changes and all that kind of stuff. And then during the week, I don't see most of you during the week, but my suspicion is that it's probably, yeah, I can't wait till next Sunday. We can get pumped up again and then do nothing. If you want to come back, come to church every Sunday and do nothing, that's fine. I will always be glad to see you. I just want you to know that that's not why we do this. So if we want to reach the city of Downey with the hope of Jesus, we have to bring it down to the pixel. Where are you at? What are the people that you know? Who are the people in your life that you need to reach with the hope of Christ that you can bring them into a space where they can hear the word of God, they can be accepted and they can have life transforming experiences like the ones that we're having here in baptism, it's a it's a it's a it's a collective mission, and so I'd like for us to pray. I have a lot more here, but we're out of time. Uh, see that we have a clock back there. It says five five thirty 39. So it's, and when it gets red, that means I'm done. When you start hearing the music, it's like time to wrap it up. So we're going to wrap it up here. But I hope this was helpful. Um, let's. Uh, I'm gonna, let's close our eyes here for a moment and um, I'm gonna pray. So God, we thank you so much for your word today. We thank you, God, because we know that we are a part of a move of God. You are moving in this church. You have been for a century and a half. That is mind-blowing, Lord God. Lord God, I wanna ask that you will please continue to do your work in this church. We will do our best to hear from you, to obey you in what you're calling us to do. Lord God, I pray for 2024. That 2024 will be a year of growth, a year of discipleship, a year where all of us will truly embrace this vision of reaching our city. But reaching our city doesn't mean us going out and reaching the whole city. It's who's in our circle of influence that we can talk to, that we can bring to church, that we can pray for, that we can embrace. I pray for this God today. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.